You're listening to the Presence Pioneers Podcast. Everyone, welcome to today's podcast episode. I'm your host, Matthew Lilly, and today we are going to be talking about the dark side of religion and the religious spirit and the way the enemy can actually use religion, not for good, but for bad. And so we've got special guest Gunther Akrich with us here uh, from Savannah, Georgia. I hope I didn't even ask you how to say your name before we started, so I hope I got that close or right. <laughs> I'm from Alabama originally. And so okay. we don't pronounce our T's. I'm Gunner, basically. Gunner. So. Okay. I apologize. I, should, I meant to ask that before we hit record. Hey, I'll take the German pronunciation the too, German. whatever. Okay. Gunner Acreage. <laughs> Excited to have him here. He's going to be like the Yoda helping us confront the dark side of religion today. Welcome, everyone. I just want to, before we dive in with Gunner, I just want to thank you guys for being a part of the podcast community. Thank you for subscribing and following and liking and commenting and sharing and all the things you do to engage with us. Really appreciate it. If you're on Apple or another platform where you can give a rating or a review, those are really helpful to just help spread the word about the podcast so more people can experience and host the presence of God, which is what we're trying to help you and others do today. So you can also go to the description of this podcast episode and support the ministry, support Presence Pioneers and partner with us so that we can keep producing this podcast, which would be great. Thank you so much for that. All right, Gunnar, now that I've butchered your name, <laughs> would love to just give you a minute to introduce yourself. Thanks for being on today. Yeah, I'm so glad to uh, be a part of this today. Thank you so much for, for having me on the podcast. I'm a big fan. We love what you're doing with Presence Pioneers. I'm Gunner. I'm a church planter, pastor. I grew up in Alabama originally. In 2017, we moved to Savannah, Georgia to plant the Dwelling Church. So the whole idea is that we're the dwelling place of God. And January 21st will be our sixth year uh, as a church. And so we're really coming into our name, I feel like, because we're kicked off. I know I'm talking to a lot of prayer people in in the, on the podcast. We just kicked off our first prayer rooms. And so that was this past year. We've currently got about six hours of prayer happening a week. And so we're amazing. We're kind of uh, newborns at this stuff and just learning. But it feels like we've um we've really just accepted an invitation from the Lord mm. to do this. And it's just it's been beautiful. We have uh, I'm married to my wife Bethany and we've got uh, three kids and they've just been champs, little church planters themselves. So it's been a fun, been fun process to see what the Lord's done over the last six years. And yeah, that's uh that's my story. I was a worship leader and and youth pastor before planting the church. And uh isn't that kind of like the trajectory pe- a lot of people yeah. take? I was the wor- worship leader, youth pastor, and now you know right. graduated to lead pastor. No, I'm just kidding. Right, right. <laughs> so the whole music side of things and worship is really played into just this whole move into the prayer room world, right. house of prayer world that we're we're stepping into now. So it's been beautiful. This past year has been just for me personally and our family, it's been one of the hardest years mm. that uh, we've lived through. <laughs> I mean, and, and I could, I say that as a years ago as a cancer survivor. And so Wow. That we have we had some serious challenges this year. And I'm telling you, I know that prayer room is not some therapeutic thing. It's ministry to the Lord. I get that. But I'm telling you, I don't know what I would do 
without that space mm. with him is prolonged as I can't tell you how healing that has been. And so um it's just been beautiful. Mm. It's been beautiful. So that's oh, kind of the awesome. the stream that we're the we're following right now, just whatever the Lord's doing and just really desire through the dwelling for the Lord just to be present and to uh just transform our city through yeah. his presence. I love that terminology even here that his presence changes everything. We believe that. And I think we're learning what that looks like and how we respond to that right now. So it's fun. That's amazing. Yeah. The dwelling church, obviously, uh, you're going to be into the presence mm. of God. <laughs> so love the name and love what you guys are doing down there. I've never been to Savannah, actually. And so maybe I can get down there at some point. And I've heard it's be- beautiful. The food. That's all I'll say. The food. The food. Okay. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> Well, I'm excited about your new book, uh, Kill the Dragon, Reclaiming Your Life from the Dark Side of Religion. For those who are on video, you can see it right there. And uh, you sent me a copy, which I appreciate, and I've skimmed through it and read a little bit of it and want to dive into it today. And you you say there's a dark side of religion. You're kind of going after religion in the religious spirit, I think is another term maybe that's used in Mm -hmm. here. So maybe to start, uh, what do you mean by religion? Because- most people think, oh, religion's a good thing, right? James says there's pure and undefiled religion to care for the widows right. and orphans. And most people just equate religion with a spirituality or following Jesus or, you know, Christianity is a religion. So why that's not a bad thing, right? But you you mean something specific when you talk about religious spirit and the dark side of religion. So yeah, what are you getting at here? Yeah, so even that that verse you just quoted, where where James says pure and undefiled religion is care for widows and orphans, that's very familiar to us. Well, yeah. I I would just say that if there's a pure and undefiled religion, then there is an impure and a defiled version as well. Just like a counterfeit, everything in the Christian life has a has a counterfeit, you know. Yeah. And so yeah, the the re- religious spirit. I realize that term kind of carries a little baggage. I feel like we've sure. even used that as a weapon against our fellow believers sometimes. Mm. And that's not what I want to do at all. I, I actually refer to it as a mindset more than a, a religious spirit, because that's right. where we're, it's in our thinking. We've picked up some baggage along the way that Jesus never intended for us to carry. And it really clouds the way that we we relate to God. It clouds the way that we relate to our mission and our purpose and how we see people. Mm. And, uh, you know, I refer to the dragon of kill the dragon is just the metaphor for that religious mindset. Mm. And I don't know about the listeners, but I'm a huge fan of J.R.R. Tolkien. And I was, uh, I, I was a probably a preteen when I found the book, the Hobbit, and then later discovered Lord of the Rings and all that stuff. And you've probably seen the movies, but, um, the whole idea of kill the dragon is kind of mirrored in that story the hobbit there's a dragon that's sitting on a treasure that doesn't belong to him and i I see that happening with the church i feel like the enemy has through this religious mindset or religious spirit whatever you want to call it has really made the church powerless and passionless and fearful and distracted in everything but what jesus has called us to be and so throughout the the book i kind of call some of that out and it's not like a beat up the church kind of, you know, vibe. Yeah. That's not me at all. God's called me to the church, all forms of it. I love all expressions of it. I love to death. <laughs> He's, you know, this is, it's his bride, you know, 
but there are some things that we've gotten a little off on. And so yeah. I'm trying to call attention to those things, but also to give a context for people who've been hurt by the dark side of religion to find a way forward, to find some healing. And of course, seeing it in our own selves, letting the Holy Spirit shine the spotlight on some of that and set us free from that so that we don't do damage ourselves. Yeah. And honestly, that's where this book was born. I remember making some of the early notes in my phone around 2011 or 12, somewhere around in there. And it was a result of the Lord showing me as I'm responding to his love being poured out in my life and just knowing him as a father for one of the first times in my life and experiencing the Holy Spirit and just coming into this new territory with in my relationship with him that I began to see how religious I was. And so I started taking notes and, and a lot of those early notes are where this book came from. So I'm not coming as a combative, you know, the church is horrible. You know, I want to encourage with this and point toward a hope. But in order to do that, sometimes we have to confront the dragon in us. Yeah. And uh, I hope that, and that's brought some freedom to people. The, one of the first people who read the book, her words were, this is mega triggering, <laughs> but it's been one of the most healing things I've ever read. And so oh, that's the goal. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about your kind of how you stumbled into this. So for you, it's, it was very personal. You were experiencing the heart of the Father, experiencing the love of God, the power of the Spirit, and you began to see in your own heart, in your own life, where you had begun to develop some of these mindsets. And I think it's, it's very easy to do that probably growing up in, I grew up in church and, you know, I'm here in the South too. And so I think there's some of those uh, religious mindsets that are very easy to take on. Um, one of, one of my favorite uh, quotes that I pulled out as, as I was just kind of skimming through it is you said it is possible to be right and wrong at the same time. And I love that. And, and so I want you to explain that in a second here, but you kind of go through the chapters. Uh, I'm going to just read through a few of the chapter titles because you're kind of uh, confronting uh, or contrasting some of the tendencies, some of these mindsets. And so you have here tradition over truth, avoidance over influence, doctrine over devotion, control over trust, and offense over humility. And there's some other chapters in there as well. But so you're kind of contrasting certain things here. And some of those things uh, that you say, you know, belief, tradition, those are, those are not bad things, right? Doctrine, right? We need good doctrine. Um, but I'm guessing maybe the reason you say it's possible to be right and wrong at the same time uh, is because it maybe it's, it's, it's possible to have right doctrine, <laughs> but still be wrong. Is it possible to have uh, good traditions, but still be in error in some way? So anyway, just in, just kind of in general, what do you mean by that? It is possible to be right and wrong at the same time. Yeah. Well, in the Gospels, there's this moment with the disciples that Jesus has. And James and John, they, they don't call them sons of thunder for, for nothing, you know. Yeah. So they, they make this suggestion uh, concerning this Samaritan village where they didn't just roll out the red carpet for them. And they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and consume these people? And, you know, we've heard that if you grew up in church, you've heard that so many times it doesn't sting. But think about what they were actually suggesting. Like, number one, they believed that the Lord himself would give them permission to 
consume with fire their enemies. Mm. And they <laughs> believed that he would be cool with that, you know? Right. <laughs> and part of it is like, you can be right and wrong at the same time. And the law over love thing is in play here because they kind of had a precedent for that. I know they were probably thinking about Sodom and Gomorrah, and they were thinking, yeah, judgment and all that. And the judgment of God is a real thing. But Jesus doesn't respond with, like, yeah, let's torch them, boys. You know, right. like that's <laughs> not how he responded at all. He says, You do not know what spirit you are of. Mm. I didn't come to destroy, I came to save. And I think that's what I mean by you can be right. And you can be wrong at the same time. There's there's a lot of things, Matthew, that we, man, we can check the box on our doctrine, our theology. I grew up in the Baptist church, and there's one thing about the Baptists is we honored the Bible, man. We were like, if it's not in the Bible, we're not doing it, you know? Yeah. But we can check all those boxes. We can have all the right answers. We can have really good theology. But there's something missing if we don't have love. Yeah. Paul didn't say the greatest of these is good theology. He said the greatest of these is love. Like, And I know that some cultural language around that law over love, well, you got to preach the truth, brother, and all this. I get that. But if we don't have love, we don't have anything. And right. Jesus was calling them on that. you know. And, and as far as like the contrast of that, of belief and experience, in chapter 2, I grew up, like I said, in a Baptist church, I would, you know, we talked about Holy Spirit, but there was really not a lot of activation in that and everything. And I remember one of my earliest memories of church was in a Sunday school class. And the Sunday school teacher said these words to me. She said, We were studying about Moses and the burning bush. And she said, This God doesn't speak to us that way anymore because we have the Bible now. Wow. And so in my little mind, like I get what she was doing, right? And she's, she would, in an effort to elevate scripture yeah. over experience, that's what she was saying. You know, we got to run everything through the Bible. But in my mind, the dragon started his work. Yeah. Because in my mind, God just receded into a dark cloud and a Bible plopped out. And he's like, do your best, kid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so that's kind of how my foundation in my faith was if i believe the right things and all of this uh then i'm then i'm good even about the holy spirit and i, I remember as he was awakening my heart to just the things of the kingdom and and the gifts of the spirit and all of that i had this moment when i was listening to someone speak where they they were really talking about just their journey with through prayer with the lord and they were telling stories of answered prayers and just adventures with God. You know, I, I sat there and I was so convicted. And this is, I'd been in ministry for several years at this point. And I sat there listening to the stories and I thought, I don't have stories. Mm. I don't have faith stories of like where I've had to depend on him for everything. And he had to come through and the things that I've asked for that were impossibilities that he's just come and made happen, you know. And so that's what I mean by belief over experience. Like yeah. the experience in it isn't everything, but it needs to be something. Yeah. You know, we, we need an experience that uh, corroborates what we say we believe. And so in that chapter, I really go over this, this doctrine of cessationism and which basically says that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were for, you know, the book of Acts. And then once the apostles died and we got the Bible, 
you know, those those things aren't really in operation anymore. And I just kind of take a little trip through church history and just show how, oh, it's always been here yeah. from from the book of Acts on until the present day. So, yeah, that that's uh, you, you can be right about a lot of things, but still be wrong, especially in our motives mm. and in the heart behind why we're doing what is, quote, right. Right. Yeah, I think I heard someone said doing the right thing the wrong way is the wrong thing, you know, yeah. something like that. And um, the other thing that came to my mind as you were sharing is is John five thirty nine. Jesus said, "You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me." And so those guys are standing there; they know the the scriptures inside and out, and they miss Jesus when he's right there in front of them. And uh, and so the sort of funny thing, I guess, is you know the scriptures are full of God speaking. <laughs> They're full of encounter and experience and love. And these, like, if you actually have good doctrine, you know what I mean? The doctrines are going to point you towards that love and that experience and that relationship, uh, that devotion, you know, some of these things that are the antithesis of that religious mindset. So what would you say, Gunnar, you know, you're in the South, we're here in America, I'm sure there's some of these, we don't have time to go through all of them today, but I'm sure there's maybe one or two of them that you feel like is is really <laughs> on the forefront maybe of, of an issue in the American church or or one that you've seen that's more widespread. Is there is there one that really sticks out to you that you're like, man, this this one's really important. Like we need to we need to slay this one. Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content, such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media. .presencepioneers.org to sign up today. Yeah. So I would probably say, I think it's chapter seven, this control over trust. Mm. You might think of it this way, control. It should be control over freedom. Like those are the opposites. But actually, I think what we've done in the church and that religious mindset is is crept in that tells us that we've got to we've got to keep a grasp on people, we've got to control people. 
And I think especially, you know, in the charismatic world, the house of prayer world, whatever you want to, in this thing that we're, this stream that we're in, we think, oh, we're freedom, man. We're freedom people. We don't have the religious spirit, you know, but the religious mindset is just as powerful in our little stream than it is in any other. And I think what we do sometimes, and we've seen this uh, in ministries, and we've seen this in in our own personal lives um, before, where people have actually used, for example, the gift of prophecy as a manipulating force. Right. Where we are hearing from the Lord, and we are now telling someone what the Lord is, wants them to do. And we, we're not teaching people to hear the Lord from themselves. You know, I believe in prophecy. It's beautiful. It's been some of the most life-altering moments of my life where the Lord just uses a, another person in the body of Christ to just bring clarity and direction even. But um, I think we've used it to control people. And I think that um, it really does damage to that. You know, I love in your in your book, Enjoying Prayer, where you talk about that subjectivity of of hearing God's voice. And oh, yeah. I really, I really feel like we really need some more teaching around that, especially when it starts intermingling with the political stuff and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so, man, yeah, that, that one's a big one. Another one is the offense over humility. We're, you know, I don't have to say this. We're living in an offended generation, man. Everything, everything is offending us and we can't say anything without offending people. And, but even more than that, not just on a relational level, but I, I know in my own journey with the Lord, there were a lot of things that offended me about him. And there were times that I had to say, okay, maybe I don't know you like you really are. Maybe I see this religious version of Jesus that's not the real Jesus. And mm-hmm. there were things that I had to lay down my pride even lay down what I thought was my good theology and choose humility over offense. And there's this language that I've, I don't know if I heard it or if it just kind of came to me through that journey, but you can't go over offense. You know, that's pride. I'm just going to, you know, I can't go around it. I can't skirt around it. I can't go through it. I've got to go under. I've got to get mm. low when I'm confronted with offense. It's kind of like that. What is that? The bear in the woods and can't go around it, can't go under it. I don't know if you sang that when you were in preschool, but <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, someone will remember. But those are the big ones, man. I think we, as far as the body of Christ, man, we have we have injured each other. We have mm. we attack each other when we're down. There's a book. I mean, there's a chapter in the book called Destructive Intent, and I just kind of take a short trip through church history again and it doesn't matter what background you come from it doesn't matter you know the protestants were persecuted by the catholic church at the time and as soon as the reformation happened the ones who'd been reformed start persecuting each other you know and the the right. spirit there is that religious mindset it's the dragon and it's always been there and we just really have to we really have to start choosing humility over offense to kill that to kill that thing in us. Yeah, so good, man. Yeah, I wonder, do you think that there's certain ways that this religious mindset would manifest itself in communities that are really going after prayer? I mean, I think that's most of the people that we have 
tuning in here, we're do, you know those that are doing hours and and just extravagant prayer and worship and fasting and that kind of thing. Because you think, oh well, that's just that's the devotion, right? That's one of the good things you have in your list here. But I know from experience, personally, and being in communities of prayer, that this religious mindset can creep up even in those who are just really pursuing God passionately with extravagant worship and prayer. Any thoughts on maybe how that might would manifest itself in those kind of communities? I think just the the whole subject of prayer in general. I know that even growing up, you know, that in church and you hear this language in church all the time about the prayer meeting or whatever. It's the least attended thing ever, you know, and, and we we use manipulation and control and guilt to get people to pray mm-hmm. rather than inspiring them through encountering the presence of God. And that's why I love just the title of your book, Enjoying Prayer. You know, I feel like that's one way that the prayer movement can kind of kind of pick up some of the religious spirit is in this thing of, well, if you're not praying like this, yeah. or if you're not doing it this way, if you're not spending all these hours in prayer, you know, I personally know people who have, man, they are committed to a life of prayer, committed to to being in his presence and ministering to him. And I'm like, have you been with the Lord? Because you right. are, you're ugly to people. Like, yeah. you really have a lot of pride. Like, how does that work? And right. I think sometimes we can think, well, hey, I put in my hours and I'm doing it the right way and look down on people that maybe haven't discovered the joy of being in his presence that we have. And so I think it's just how do we communicate this? You know, do we, you should be praying. Why does everybody have a a prayer room or or whatever? And it's no, let's talk about what the Lord has done in our lives and not use guilt and manipulation to get people to, to pray that that may get them there once or twice, but the lasting motivation is hope. And then it's experience. You know, if I've experienced it, man, I've, I've heard people's testimonies. That's what got me there. But if I've experienced it, that's what's going to keep me there. Mm-hmm. I love your story about Nancy. He mm-hmm. hasn't let me go. Like, that's that's how I can pray as much as I do. He hasn't let me go. Yeah. That's just, that moved me so much when I heard you um, share that story. Yeah, But it's so true. I, I do think that we can, um, just because we're in, the, in a certain stream doesn't mean we're immune to it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I think that that issue of, of spiritual pride that you kind of put your finger on there is is real. And, you know, Jesus early on really knew that that was going to be an issue. Luke 18, yeah. he talks about being persistent in prayer. And then immediately his very next story is he's confronting the Pharisee, the religious person who's saying, oh, I thank God that I fast two days a week and I'm not like that poor beggar over there. And the beggar is, you know, on on beating their chest, crying out to God for mercy. And Jesus says, that's the one that will make it into the kingdom. And so I think that's the, that humility, that offense that comes from pride where we go, we are the ones that <laughs> are pursuing, we're the hungry ones, we're the, the radical Christians or whatever. And so I do think there's that tendency. And then you get offended with other people that aren't that way and you start looking down at them. And so, yeah, I think that's one of the ways that that religious mindset manifests itself. I think you you hit the nail on the head with that one. So yeah, hey, uh, Gunnar, we're running out of time here. This has been awesome. I think we're shining some light on some things and provoking some some, some things here that need to be 
addressed in the body of Christ. I'd love for you to take the last few minutes here. What do people do <laughs> if, they, if they're starting to see some of these things in their own heart, in their own life, uh, in their own ministries, and they go, oh, no, I didn't even realize that, uh, that I was getting this way. And now I'm hearing this podcast episode, the Holy Spirit starting to speak to me. Um, how do we get free? How do we stay free? How do we slay the dragon? Well, one of the, one of the things that um, I feel like was so important on my journey out of that whole dark side of religion, and that's not to say that I'm completely, not all the Pharisees out of me yet. That's I'm a work in right. progress. But um, one of the things that really helped me to begin to just see things differently, because it is a mindset thing, is to read people that I wouldn't normally read, maybe that weren't, weren't in my camp to make new friends with people that I might not even agree with, those things bring that to the surface. And so I would say this, like, what do you do if you're beginning to notice those things? A lot of times, the even that whole religious spirit will compound on that and be like, no, ignore that, push that down. But if you're noticing that, that's the Lord inviting us into freedom and into a fuller expression of who we are in Christ and a fuller expression of what he's called us to partner with him in the earth to do, you know, to reveal his heart. And so don't, number one, don't push it down. Don't ignore it. It's like that offense idea, go low, just choose the humility of like, well, maybe I don't have it all figured out. Maybe I could be wrong. Maybe I'm right, but I'm wrong at the same time. Maybe my motives are, are off. And so, I would say just listen to the tenderness of the Holy Spirit and trust Him to lead you. That goes back to that control thing. Sometimes we love control so much we stick to what we've always done. Mm. Don't be afraid to let Him lead you and say, Lord, you know, I, I trust you enough that if I fall into a ditch on this side of the road, you'll, you'll pull me out. If I fall on this side, you'll pull me out. Mm. So, yeah, and then... You know, don't stop being in his presence. There's nothing like just being in his presence. So it's coming into his presence, though, without that religious thing. Mm. And actually just being our truest selves in his presence. Right. Even if it's really ugly. Yes. You know, that's that's the thing about beginning to see some of this dragon stuff in our lives. It's like we see ourselves, see some of the religious spirit in us. We don't want to bring that into his presence. But if we'll just be honest about it, be open, Lord, I need, I need you to heal me. And I'll also say this, like there's probably a lot of people listening right now that are dealing with some pain that they've received from the church or mm. from leaders or whatever the, the case may be. Yeah. And I just want to say that that was not an accurate representation of who Jesus is. And that was not a demonstration of the Father's heart, that more than likely was the religious mindset showing up in that person's life. So forgiveness is what we just have to choose in these moments right now, especially when we're we're just kind of rattled by some things that, that have really just wounded us in the church. Just choosing humility, choosing forgiveness, and letting the Lord come in and heal those places. Yeah, so good, so good. Hey, everybody, the book is Kill the Dragon by Gunnar Acreage, and we encourage you to get that. There's going to be a link down in the description so that you can grab a copy of that and continue to just go on this journey uh, with the Holy Spirit, letting him set you free. And it really is better 
not on the dark side. <laughs> it's, it's better on the good side, on the side of freedom and humility and intimacy and joy uh, with Jesus. And so, Gunnar, this has been great. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me.